everybody. I'm Tech Clark with the League of Extraordinary Divers podcast, the Dive Locker podcast, and director of the Nova Southeastern University Academic Diving Program. And this is the Big Scuba Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hello, Gemma. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Good, good. This one is episode 27, I believe. Yeah. Uh, 27. Did you know 27% of the galaxy is actually made up of black matter? It's a little something. And the 27th atomic uh, element is cobalt. So really? a little couple of facts there for you. Nothing relevant at all and probably <laughs> any use at all but they were two two little facts from listening to this podcast that you didn't know until then that's very useful thank you very much okay so so in gem let's talk about what we've been up to talk about the weekend so uh saturday we went kayaking we went up to point took my friend jody out there uh who'd never been there before yeah that was an amazing experience yep saw the seals had good conditions relatively good conditions we planned it got our tides right and it worked like a dream yesterday we went in for a dive each run which is just down the coast Mm -hmm. we had massive great big waves it was just very windy as well which didn't help the conditions and also as the autumn high tides here as well so it was probably probably not the best you know you got to live and learn and you got to get in there get involved go get wet and we want to try your suit, your, your, your lovely uh, fourth element uh, hydro suit. Yes, yeah, so that gave it a good test. It was its first outing in the sea. So yeah. I think, yep, yeah, so fourth element have yeah, kindly provided me with a dry suit, under, under gear, good glove. So I'm very lucky and it worked. And you're do, we've done a short review of that. You know, we have, yeah. Uh, if you dry suit, so that will be coming up on YouTube and social media very soon. Yep, yeah. and then Mares have provided a BCD and computer and reds and that will all be on youtube as well but they're working i actually had to buy anything my goodness some people nope. some people just get everything given to them my goodness and a fortune by all my i'm very appreciative of right. the and, uh, given. yeah absolutely and uh, we also need to say so we need to say thank you to fourth element we need to say thank you to mares uh, who've been superb um richard corner and rose at brilliant standing from fourth element bomb as as well absolutely brilliant uh, and also we need to say thank you to Paralins uh, who have kindly provided us with one of their cameras yeah. uh, hang of that I'm not much of a cameraman you know we're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna show how versatile the camera is yeah. using it above water and, and it's so tiny isn't it it's just so easy it's just like having a torch in your hand and the honey meister scuba honey he was using it in the pool and using it to film an octopus so a big little snippet's coming a rubber octopus by the way not yeah, really. no octopuses were used <laughs> in that film called one very deflated rubber uh, what else also um, coming up in a little heads up, um, uh, Suffolk. You know, we've got a dive site. We've been asked to go and have a little test in Suffolk. Yeah, that'll uh, be so an adventure. It's going to be a little adventure. And, and Paralens, you know, with them giving us this camera, is under the banner of Go Explore. So this is one of the sites so far to go and explore. It hasn't been dived before. It's not in the public, as we say. Um, don't know a huge amount about it, although I know there's fish and the visibility is not too bad at all. Um, yeah, 
can't say where but hey look forward to doing that in a couple of weeks time and getting that out yeah exciting to look forward to someone told me there's gold in there but we'll see we'll see toxic there's always a gun or you know you know some people find these skulls and what have you know we'll see what's in there um so Tech Clark, um, let's talk about Tech Clark for a moment. So Tech Clark's coming up. He's our guest for today on episode 27. Um, absolutely fabulous guest. Learned Brilliant. no from tech. And uh, I actually realised what his name was. I always thought his name was actually tech. <laughs> what is it then? <laughs> I know, surprised you when he zoomed up, didn't it? I know, I know. His name's not actually tech. And he's really good. If you haven't seen him on social media, doing his press ups, he's really good at press up. So, you know, and he loves, he absolutely loves people asking him to do some press up. If you get a chance, just send a request in. in, in, in. <laughs> I think you've still got another 20, you've got another 20 to do, I think, haven't you? Uh, I don't remember that. Anyway, <laughs> Heck loves press ups. Just always, when you ever see him and talk to him, just ask him, Hey, would you love to do another? Design? He would. He would do that. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, so one thing we learned off tech was hashtag transform. Okay, uh, Christina, you know, uh, we learned hashtag educate, educate, explore, conservation. Behind us, we learned volunteer. So all these people, we learn all these little words, and it all it all evolves around getting involved, forwarding. You know, further furthering yourself and also um, being the change that you want to see. Yeah, so simple words but very powerful and impactful. They are. Uh, I was about to say why, but I'll leave that to the conversations. Anyway, that's enough about me rattling on. Tech is far more interesting. So let's get on with the show. Yeah, this is Tech Park, so 27. Enjoy it. morning comes around again. The concrete jungle is surrounding my head And I want to be free That's why I'm dreaming of the same Hey guys, how are you? Hello, hi. Good, good, good. All right, perfect. Excellent. Tech, have you sent your bearded brother? All the photos we've seen of you, you've got no beard. I know. <laughs> What's going on? It's my coronavirus beard. <laughs> <laughs> Does that keep it away? Yeah, I think so. It's its own filter. It's like a natural filter. It helps. I put oh, it out there. I, I did uh, I did a whole thing to uh, people where I said, you know, I'm going to grow this. And it just like got huge and bushy. And it was just like sticking out. And then I put a Facebook post to let my friends vote what beard style they wanted me to shape it into. And so it was like, there was Jason Momoa, there was Mel Gibson, there was uh, uh, the guy from Gladiator, uh, on and on. It was hilarious. There isn't an Ian last one. I can't grow it. Can't. You're getting there with the hair though. Yeah, all right. Haircut and end of the week. Yeah, that's yeah, no, really kind of you to join us and join us on the Big Scuba podcast. So thank you very oh, much. It's so fun. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So obviously I'm Gemma. Um, I'm a non-diver nearly. I'm just about to do my open water qualification next weekend. So, um, really? Yeah, I, I was doing it obviously prior to lockdown and then lockdown happened and it all stopped. So I literally did my dry suit orientation yesterday and then I'm doing my open water next weekend. It's that's a fun. huge congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, so sort of getting to know Ian has rubbed off on me and I'll give it a go and yeah, talking to all these amazing people, it's kind of made it. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> well, wow. That's so cool. Congrats. Um, That's great. So part of the podcast will be about obviously the journey 
that I've had and I'm about to start. I'm gonna have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, that's kind of me and, you know, I'm a, I like the water anyway. I'm a paddleboarder, like kayaking, live on the beach. So, yeah, it's kind yes, of... Yeah, that. Hopefully a natural thing. Yeah, so that's me. So, Ian. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm Ian, and um, I'm a father of two, uh, Harvey and Honey. Um, a dive master at my local um, diving club in Norwich, Crystal Seas. Uh, help, help out with them, and I shall be Gemma's dive master at the weekend when we go go through uh, Gemma's open water. Cool. Um, been diving for about, about five, five, six years, and uh, dive master for about four, three, three or four. Really enjoy that role. Uh, love helping out, uh, getting involved, and seeing people come through like Gemma, the open water journey, and yeah. seeing them go on to you know great things. And some of them have gone on to dive all around the world and careers. Now instructors, and I can be their dive master. Really fun. So. Right. Yeah, it's all really good. Um, so and cool. like Gemma, uh, I like to uh, paddleboard, kayak, and you know, uh, help get and hopefully motivate my children to follow suit as well, get them involved yeah. in the sport as well. So, uh, so that's quite good. Um, so that's kind of me. So, yeah. So how about you? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I loved seeing the the video of you guys kayaking and paddleboarding together. I didn't know you had little streams and rivers and estuaries up there that you could do that yeah. that's so cool yeah we, yeah i've got some nice waterways around this way so uh really blessed for um you know having that on our doorstep and then you got the ocean there as well so you have the yeah. best of both worlds yeah we're very yeah. lucky that's so cool nice i love it <laughs> well um what can i say i uh, i grew up diving here in south florida um at the age of 12 is when i became a, a certified diver right off the shores of uh, Lauderdale-by-the-Sea here. And um, then I quickly went into advance, saved my money for my class and equipment and you know work, worked at a supermarket so I could make money to, to do that. Then when I went away to school at uh, the University of Florida and uh, my, my second year there, I had to drop a golf class and um, I needed two credit hours in a health health science, exercise science class. And there were these guys there that said, hey, are you a diver? I said, yeah. And they said, what level are you? I said, I'm an advanced diver. And they said, well, you could take this next level class. It's called assistant instructor. Uh, It's two credit hours and it meets this final week, blah, blah, blah. And so I joined up with the dive program and I became uh, an assistant instructor that semester. And then after that, was on to the instructor course, which I didn't think I was qualified for. I really wasn't a good assistant instructor at all. I had a lot of conflicts. I wasn't around much. Um, and um, uh, But at the end, they all my buddies were becoming instructors, and they said, why, why don't you be an instructor? And so the night before the instructor class started, I called my mom. I was like, can I borrow some money? I want to become an instructor. And she said, it's always something you could fall back. And so that was kind of our funny running joke forever is that, what was something that I could fall back on became my career. As soon as I graduated from the university, I had an internship at a national scuba training agency, scuba program. So I went from an intern to a consultant to the assistant director, then to the national director, all in a two-year period. Um, And then that just launched my involvement in the industry. I got to work with all the top manufacturers and all the top training agencies. Um, And along the way, I got to teach at other universities. Um, uh, And before that, I should say, I directed the University of Florida Dive Program before I graduated. So 
This was the largest university training program in the country. So got a lot of training and teaching experience and became a sheriff's diver with Broward Sheriff's Office, a public safety diver with them. Uh, and then eventually was doing forensic dive accident investigation when I ultimately left uh, my position as the National Director of CA Scuba Program. So um, I've had a lot of positions in the industry and now I run the academic diving program at Nova Southeast University in Fort Lauderdale. And um, also have the two podcasts, the Dive Locker podcast for dive professionals. Mm -hmm. And then I have League of Extraordinary Dive Right Legends. Uh, yeah. And then I have an app and the website Scuba Guru. And I think that's about it. So, you're based in Florida. Have you always been um, based kind of there or have you traveled? Yes, um, based here in South Florida since I was a kid, but then I went to Gainesville to go to university after Gainesville was Atlanta, Georgia, where the headquarters of the YMCA scuba program. Um, and uh, I met my wife in college at, uh, at uh, University of Florida. And so we kind of went around. She is a clinical psychologist. So we danced in a couple places while she was getting her residency and her postdoctorate and then landed back in the same neighborhood I grew up in as a oh, kid wow. here in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, that's nice. Because uh, this is just an epicenter for diving and free diving. Scuba diving's my my job, free diving's my hobby, and this is just the perfect place to go. So yeah. that's why we're here. <laughs> and I have two kids and they love free diving as well. So, yeah. so has lockdown had quite an impact on you or are you now sort of edging out of it? Um, well, it's kind of odd that you say that. Uh, we have had a really great time, actually. This has been a time of bonding with my family. Uh, our, our kids don't have school, so they were here um, finishing up school. Um, my university sent all of the employees home to work from home. Um, and so we just got really together as a family. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Um, then they closed down our beaches and then we couldn't free dive. And then that really stunk. Um, then we could free dive. So I went free diving last week with uh, the family and we just had a beautiful time. And then they yeah. closed the beaches again for our big 4th of July celebrations this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, yeah. which really stinks. So um, now Miami, who is just to our south, Miami, Florida, is now going back to eliminating all restaurants from being open and gyms. So really? the statistics of coronavirus here in South Florida are escalating at an alarming rate. And so now government is starting to shut everything back down again. And I'm pretty sure Fort Lauderdale next or so that, that uh -huh. we get shut down. So that's kind of the bummer, mm. uh, you know, uh, but it is what it is. These are just odd times that we're all dealing with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, Did I also have used this time um, to transform. I have this, the word transform literally up on my mirror and my bath. And um, this is a time to transform. You know, I, I had a passion to come out of this better than I went in. So more fit, more in shape, and also more technically skilled and professionally skilled. So I've gone on a path to become a freediving instructor. So I'm working with Performance Freediving Academy, Kirk Kroc and Mandy Ray Krokchank. And um, so I'm going through that program, learning from home, uh, doing Ted Hardy's uh, program that he has for the 28-day free diving, the breathing and lung volume, um, Stig Severinsen's course that he did. So 
I'm using this time to like soak as much of that I can into free diving to actually take it to the professional up to come out of this and become a free diver. So did you put that up on your mirror at the start of lockdown or has that always been up on your mirror? No, at the start of coronavirus is when I wrote it and uh, and put oh. it up. It's still up there. It's a little faded now, but it's still up like there. That. And it's, uh, it's just a reminder every day to, to do something towards a goal. Yeah. I like that because I think, um, you know, from talking like you have, you know, you've been talking to people as well. And um, you kind of come across the same sort of theme where everybody's gone through this. And it's good that some people like yourself are using this to improve and reevaluate and think, right, okay, do we want to go back to what we were or do we improve and use this time? in a positive way that's really good to hear yeah, I like that. thanks yeah all right that's cool and it's reinforcement too so if i look at the transform word and you're staring at yourself you know i can tell if i've put on some pounds or if <laughs> i've you know taken off some pounds so luckily that's been fortunately going the good way i'm taking off pounds i'm feeling better um uh, and you know, just getting into shape and things like that which a lot of it is very unique um i've gotten into yoga and I've never been a practitioner of yoga, but this helps so much with chest flexibility mm-hmm. and be able to get the all of the muscles in the thorax, shoulders, neck, diaphragm, abdomen, back, all of these muscles now with all the yoga that I'm doing at home, which is just perfect. I just watch, you know, these apps and just go through all these different yoga and yoga flow sequences and following some of the other uh, freediving protocols. And right now, my, my breath holding and comfort is just really wild and my flexibility. So like going and hitting the reef with the freediving fin, the range of motion is so much more there as well. The strength in the back is there. Buttock strength is there. The hamstring strength is there. And so to be able to be in a really nice flow underwater, freediving, freediving has just been wonderful. Mm. So I've seen remarkable change just from yoga. It is. And so, you know, on the scuba diving side of it, as well as freediving, you know, one of our biggest uh, problems that we are going to encounter physiologically is carbon dioxide. And so, you know, we can always talk about having an improved cardiovascular well that improved cardiovascular system improved blood flow improved circulation also leads to improved gas exchange and so that improved gas exchange is a really great thing to be able to release that co2 so much faster in your body the second benefit is is that when you do high intensity training you're also spiking heart rate and you're spiking co2 levels So you almost can't catch your breath to a point. And then, you know, in your early days, you started building up cardio, uh, you started building up lactic acid, right? So now, you know, you shift that and you start to look at, well, my lactic acid is better. Why? You're not harboring the same CO2. You're not getting the headaches that you may have gotten early on with high CO2 spike. And so that's the second thing is that that high level intensity workout getting giving you a higher threshold for carbon dioxide tolerance and so that is another great thing that has to do with your ability to have a good air consumption is that the co2 levels aren't affecting you as much you're just simply not not affected by them so the chemoreceptors that are sensing them it's there you're just not 
as effective. It's it's really remarkable how our body. You were also involved in one of the. You also started a ministry as well. Yes. Ministry. Tell us about that. How long you? How long you been involved in that? Well, you know, I I grew up uh, in the Catholic Church and um, uh, you know with a, a family that that was very, I would say, solidly Christian, but I wasn't. You know, I went to Catholic high school, could have cared less. Went to college, could have cared less. Um, I really didn't have much of a faith at all. Um, Then when I got married, uh, I married a wonderful woman of God. She just loves the Lord, you know, so she had a different way of looking at faith and at what church meant and what the Bible meant and everything. And so I thought, ah, that's nice for you. You just do your thing. Well, after, you know, years of of kind of watching this and then having our first baby, then understanding the great values of faith and and so forth and and, and a house were just intriguing to me. And I thought, okay, well, then just the Holy Spirit moved within me. There was a definite, over time, I asked so many questions of so many people in faith. I had all these doubts, and oh, I don't believe that, and I don't believe that, and I don't believe that. And then, as you've heard many people say, they've had a conversion experience. I, I literally did. I just really had a very powerful time of an awareness that it's not about me, that there is a creator, and that God and and through his son Jesus, you know, was able to redeem those that were in sin. And all of a sudden it became so amazing to me that I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I left this part of me behind. Now I need to catch up. So I literally went to seminary, right? We joined the church and I went to seminary just so I could learn the stuff that I didn't pay attention. And then that opened up a whole lot of new things, new awareness. I studied Hebrew and Hebrew, like who studies Hebrew? I did. And it was great because I started to learn so much about it. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Just but in very quickly. So just um, I think I know what you mean, but just to check my understanding, when you say seminary, do you mean it's like a college and it's going to teach you all about the Bible and that's yes. about the, some of the books? In, that's correct. Well, I think we, we call it something else, company. I'm trying to think what, what we call it, but um, yeah, you know. it's graduate level uh, training, graduate level education to get a master's in theology. Okay, you could get a doctorate in theology, but that's that's what I was studying, and so. Um, I I had just this uh, unbelievable passion to say, wait, you know, God has blessed me. I mean, blessed me so richly with just this wonderful life, great family. And I get to do this thing that I love, which is going underwater. And back in the day when I was first teaching, I would have students come up to me and say, I feel closer to God underwater than anywhere else on earth. And I'd go, yeah, it is cool, man. High five, right? Awesome. Rock on. But it was years later, once I really became in tune with faith, my faith and my beliefs that all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, there is a reason why people feel closer to God underwater. There is truly a spiritual connection underwater that we feel. We feel humble. We feel that we are not the center of the universe, but we're actually insignificant. We humble ourselves and we pay attention and we get the distractions of the world go away. And we get to focus on the beauty, the diversity, the silence, the colors, the shapes, everything that is what the underwater world in that, that makes all of us so crazy about it speaks to us and it speaks to our heart. 
And so I firmly believe that that is a part of how we're all made. And for those of us that have this beautiful connection, to me, diving becomes a worshipful experience. I get to go underwater and just give praise to this beautiful creation that I get to appreciate. Yeah, I get to I get to be here and see all this and it makes yeah. me feel different. I'm literally different when I'm done diving. And you will be that way too, Gemma. <laughs> You're gonna like be different after every dive. And even the bad dives, you're going to be different. And to me, that was a spiritual connection, a spiritual thing that I get to be underwater and make it a worshipful experience. So because of that, long story, but that's what led to Reef Ministries. I decided to create a ministry where we go underwater and look at the underwater world as the handiwork of God. Now, this doesn't resonate with everybody, obviously, but for church groups and homeschool groups and for um, Christian schools and Christian educators and stuff like that, uh, they like to go on a trip where we are going to pay attention to how is this created and why is this created and why does that speak to you and what are the worshipful elements of our time so that's what reef ministries is in a nutshell so it sounds like the two go well hand in hand i think they do and the people that have a strong faith believe the same and you know they whether your beliefs about creation um, are that you know the world was created in seven days, or if you don't believe that, or if you have a, you know, a Christian principle, but you know you you believe that there was evolution there. The fact is, is that none of us were there. None of us were there when the beginning of the world was created. So we literally um, we don't know. We you, we can't take a position of absolute knowledge. So that's why I'm extraordinarily graceful. When I meet people that say, I believe in evolution, I don't believe in creation, and I don't mess. Well, guess what? I was with you back in college. I didn't believe any of that. Now I do believe it, but it doesn't mean that, um, that you know, one should be scorned for their, their beliefs. Mm-hmm. The fact is, though, is that if you can believe that we're, it's not just us, and this all <laughs> just didn't happen by chance, now you start in on the whole well yeah i do believe that there is a creator i believe that there's a god and wow look what they did underwater it blows people's mind of how beautiful the underwater posed to many other things on land and so have you tried a prayer meeting those elements it's amazing what's that have you tried a prayer meeting water yet well that's kind of what we're doing but everybody's on their own um i did meet some people that once like got in a circle underwater and they held hands and they they were praying to themselves um and i thought that was neat But um, our time together just really starts more with a devotional. And um, more and more people are asking about our trips, but, you know, we just did them here and we did them in the Bahamas and in the Keys and that's it. But they're weather dependent and everything. So it's kind of sad for people to fly in or drive in to South Florida to do our snorkel trips or scuba trips that were faith-based. And then the trips would be canceled because, you know, our seas down here aren't, aren't always flat and nice. So what we did was we decided let's create the same course that we do before all of our trip. And that is where we launched it online now. So Reef Ministries is now online with blogs and different things like that and different articles, but it's a course now. So someone can take this course that teaches them how to make their time underwater more of a worshipful experience. And that could be for any group. There's church groups that have dive club here in South Florida. Churches that have dive clubs. It's kind of fun and crazy, but there's dive clubs all over the place. So if there's a faith, 
then they like this type of training. And homeschoolers, they like um, a more creation-based account of marine biology. And so we have experts, five experts that speak about marine biology. And it's just awesome. So that's how we did it so that people around the world could still get the reef ministries experience, but they get to go diving on their own. They don't have to come to South Florida to, to do it with us. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great because it's technology as well, isn't it? To, yeah. Yeah, exactly. get people out there. So, yeah. And it's a great, yeah, different dimension to diving as well. Yeah, which is, it's very unique. You know, not, not, uh, not many people are doing, but there is the Worldwide Christian Scuba Divers Organization. They're out there as well. Um, but we just have a little bit more of an educational side. They have a mission. So it's funny. I mean, in diving, if you have a passion, it doesn't matter what your passion is it can incorporate in the dive, even fitness, right? So you're talking about fitness. There's there's (laughs) experts that are just into fitness and diving and then photography, bring it underwater. There you go. You know, you name it. Zombie apocalypse. I mean, now there's a zombie apocalypse course out there, right? So if you're into zombies, (laughs) yes, there is a specialty for a zombie apocalypse specialty. I won't do it. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many pathways for divers to go. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. quite mind blowing. Yeah. Exactly. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously we've got listeners that are non-divers and divers. So have you got any advice for non-divers and people like me just starting out on their scuba journey? What would what advice would you give to you? Yeah, if you have any inspiration at all to go underwater or to see the underwater world and what it's about, um, the number one thing that I can give any listener advice on is that you want to focus on your training to be as comprehensive as possible. Do not get suckered into cheap and quick. Cheap and quick and you will not be diving next year. You will not be diving in two years. If you focus on cheap and quick, you come away with insecurities about yourself underwater. The more time that you can put in with an instructor, both in academics and underwater, but especially underwater, in your pool sessions and in your dive sessions. That's where this becomes so, so important is that you then get the motor memory, the skill development, the comfort of being underwater and doing the various skills that need to be done to master. Mastery doesn't happen in a two-day scuba class. Nah, people might not like to hear that, but that's how it is. Um, mastery happens between multiple repetitions repetitions of a skill and then that's where comfort comes so that's why that's my number one tip is to focus on a course and training that will be the most comprehensive that you can get and the the most of everything time and time underwater and time with an instructor that is the secret the secret to a long and happy and healthy diving uh recreation as well as yeah that's good advice yeah good advice yeah have you seen a change in people's diving over the years? In people's diving? Are you finding that people are more putting more time into getting themselves educated dive? You know, are you seeing more standards change and things like that? Well, unfortunately, Ian, um, you know, there's a reason why standards change. Standards change to do one of two things, to either boost an economy of yeah. 
the ability to do more diving and uh, have less barriers to entry, as we called it in the early days of, uh, of kind of coming out with standards development. Barriers to entry was a big term. And the more you put into a scuba class, then the more it was a barrier for someone to take scuba. So there's the economic side. And then the other side is where um, you, you look at that people want to perform. They want to do something, but they also might not commit 100% to something. Right. So the standards change because they aren't really committed. The professional might not be committed. The, the, the dedication isn't there. And then, boom, something goes wrong. So the second side of standards changes comes from that there are incidents. And then we learn from those incidents. And then we say, hmm, maybe that should change in our training. And then industry changes. And so these two things are a balancing act of how to keep everybody safe, but at the same time, not be so cumbersome that it's a barrier. The problem is, is that over time, the, the idea of this mastery and the idea of competition starts to get to where you see scuba certification and training getting reduced down to a bare minimum. Right. And that bare minimum is, is what different people compete against other people for yeah. to get someone in the door. My class is cheaper than your class. My class is faster than your class. Well, to a normal consumer, all of us listening right now, we like Amazon. We like che you know cheap and quick, and I want it in prime delivery in two days. That's consumerism. It's not a bad thing, but when it comes to something like scuba training, then it becomes problematic. And what we do see, and this is echoed by d dive boat captains worldwide, is that every year, it seems, they see a difference in the caliber of dive. The proficiency just isn't there like it once was when longer classes. Now, I'm not saying that longer classes is the way to go, and I'm not saying that e-learning is bad. I think e-learning is awesome. But when we replace a hands-on instructor in a classroom with just watching a video, you miss a lot of really great yeah, things. Yeah, you can't replace that. Exactly. So we're not seeing as much academics and we're not seeing as much skill develop. And because of that, that means that we're seeing more incidents. I don't mean accident. I mean incidents. Yeah. People can't set up their dive gear on a boat. People don't have dive boat etiquette. Um, they don't do the right procedure. They come up at wrong times. They are way off of their gas and you know don't have a good breathing rate. They crash into the reef. They can't get down because they can't equalize their ears and they're not sick. They just never taught the right. Yeah. So we're seeing this repeatedly out. So to answer your question, yes, I would say that there's a lot of changes that we've seen, but technology has also been great. So our computers are safer than ever. Our equipment is safer than ever. That's all great. Um, dive sites are wonderful, but that's- See, this is now a good segue to my next question. So what, is, what do you think? You know, you've, been, you've seen dive, you know, for a good number of years and involved in free dive and dive and scoop. What do you think is going to be the next piece of kit that's going to be coming out that's going to change the world? Got any, got any thoughts of where it might come from? Because they've tried the, the whole, let's have a mask with, uh, a rebreather attached to them, and that didn't seem to come I, back. I think that that technology will come along. I think that yeah. that will actually matriculate into something uh, credible. It might not look exactly like the prototype unit that that came out, and everybody kind of went, "Woo, oh!" <laughs> Over. Um, will it be that? Potentially, 
I think that what's weird is that if you said years ago, hey, we're going to make a full snorkel mask that's a full face and we're going to put a snorkel up here. People be like, are you kidding me? And today there are people going, are you kidding me? Yeah. But when you look at the sales of them, the sales yes. are staggering. Yeah. It shows you that the consumers want something that maybe not other people want or think is great. So I have a feeling just like everything else with technology, it's going to come from some kind of grassroots um, need or desire. And I think that that's what's going to pop up. And it's going to be something that we don't even know exists today. That's my prediction. My son was just saying this at the dinner table. In the future, it's not going to be about jets and, and flying cars. That, that has been envisioned for 50 years, right? Um, it's going to be something that people don't even know they have a need for. And that's yeah, the need that's going to pop. And that's, yeah. I believe, where we're, where we're going. Mm. So the thing about our podcast is that we want to do our little bit to encourage more women into the sport. Because... You know, it's always been a bit of a, uh, a male uh, lead in sport. Um, are you seeing on your side of things more women joining the sport of free dive, scuba diving? Oh, my gosh, yes. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. My university, our dive program, we have, oh, what was the number? 70%? What was it? Oh, my gosh. Two, three. I'll have to do the math in my head. Anyhow, it's something like... Um, 75 to 80% of my staff are female and at our university 65% to 75% of our scuba students are female. Um, in our last class, last semester, we had two sections of it. One section of eight students had three men. The second section was all women. All eight students were women. So in that particular class, out of 16 students, only three were men. So um, we're seeing this. We're seeing this quite a bit. And I believe that it is a wonderful sport. It's uh, adventurous. And I believe that more women are getting into adventurous activities that speak to them. And the beauty and diversity and serenity of the underwater world is an area that's like an art form. And I believe that there is a, a, a true passion and calling for women to engage in something that like has all those elements to it. It's not just some, you know, rough and tumble, hardcore hoo-yah thing. Um, yeah. You know, we're also seeing more women get into technical, but technical diving still remains a very male-dominated area. Mm -hmm. But we are seeing some one, you know, some some uh, definite uh, changes there. And then free diving is really interesting. I believe that um, that free diving is what we're seeing many more young people come into. It is the feeder sport to scuba, and there are many people that just stick with free diving because their time underwater is so rich and they love what their how their body feels and they love that they get to focus on their body so in a very positive and healthy way so just as in the majority of yoga uh practitioners are female the majority when you start looking at free diving you it's the same kind of tenants and it's catching on so i think more women are responding to free diving and yeah. They are, they are really getting into it. Uh, some of the best world champion freediving athletes are women. And I, I almost would go out on a limb. I don't know this for sure, but anecdotally, 
it looks as if there are more record-holding world champion women in all different places and diversity uh, yeah. than there are on the men's side. And so it's <laughs> like, you know, you get a man and he dominates apnea and dynamic and constant weight. And he has great things in all these disciplines. But then you look at the women and it's like, she's great at that. She's great at that. She's great at that. She's great at that. And it just seems like there's almost a, a larger breadth out there. I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of what I see. Um, so I would say, yeah, that, that we're going to, that we are seeing that more and more today. And I am so delighted, so delighted that our industry has gone away or is getting away from the Speedo wearing, shark's tooth hanging, you know, bare <laughs> chest with the big 10 inch, 12 inch yeah. knife strapped to their, their, uh, their, their uh, calf. You know, that's the kind of instructors that I remember growing up in the 80s seeing. There's no room for that today. Um, on that bravado side, I don't mean if somebody wears speedos and a knife and has a shark's tooth. <laughs> bad in any way. I might do that tomorrow because I look like Tarzan anyhow. So, but the deal is, is that that, that I think we're, we're getting away from that and yeah. that men are not dominating this sport and that it is inclusive for women to be a part of and the manufacturers are taking attendance and making wonderful cuts for wetsuits and BCs and, and so forth. And that's mm -hmm. been happening for years, um, color choices, different things like that. So I, I love that that's happening in our industry. It's so healthy and it's so neat. It is, and we've got um, Paddy's Women Dive Day coming up very shortly as well, haven't okay. we? And, and events like that, um, you know, we'll all help um, encourage and motivate more women to come and join and learn the sport. So, you know, right. and, and all that is all good stuff to keep the yeah. sports going, isn't it? You know, so yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. That's, that's really great. It's good to hear. So have it yourself, you know, because one thing we've learned uh, doing this part is that some of the, the people that we've had on, they seem to go down a route of either tech diving, instructing or cave dive where would you sort of put yourself well you know in many aspects cave is part of the technical community um i did my fair share of cave diving when i was at the university of florida because it was in gainesville florida which is just a half hour drive to what we call cave country the area of high springs and associated areas around there top yeah. spot in the united states for cave diving um, that was our backyard so um, I cut my teeth cavern diving, then cave diving. Um, and that was a fun part of my life at that time. Um, but where I really felt my uh, skills were best utilized were in teaching and teaching others. And that yeah. happened for me from my first day at, at well, my, not my first day, my first semester as an assistant instructor. I remember that um, we all had to give a presentation in front of the live class. And so to do that meant to go into the auditorium. Now, I think I may have mentioned that the University of Florida dive program was the largest dive training program in the country. Yeah. So our classroom would hold 200 students. Oh. And so we would teach to 200 students and then we would break them up into all these different pool sessions all during the week, the lab session. Well, <laughs> my first time teaching about wetsuits, I go in there, I'm trying to be, I've never done public speaking before other than in a class for a class project to you know your classmate this however was teaching 
to real students, just trial by fire, go for it. Um, I remember I was horrible at it. I wasn't loud enough. So people in the back of the auditorium were yelling, you know, speak louder, speak louder. That made me more nervous. I had technology issues because back in the day, we had slides and uh, overhead projectors. So you had oh, yes. yeah, the overhead projector with a little piece of transparent plastic yeah. and then you'd write on it. So if you were shaking, they could see you're shaking in the... <laughs> you know, in the big overhead. Uh, it was horrible. I was so nervous. To make it work, the rest of the staff, the trainer that were training us, our instructor trainer, there was a media projection booth in the back of the room because it was a huge auditorium. And in the projection booth, there's these little square windows that the projectors and movie things could come out of. Well, every trainer was mooning me in every... <laughs> so I would look up and I would see butts in all of these windows and then 200 <laughs> students below all the butts in the windows. And that was my first time speaking. So I like made it a point from then on to just be like good at speaking. So I had like all my ducks in order from that day on because I never wanted to feel that way again. <laughs> You know, most people hate public speaking. So imagine what you'd feel like after that experience. I went the other way. I just said, no, I'm going to master this. And that became my thing. And so uh, then I regularly would present to 200 students. I became the lecture coordinator, um, ran the program. And then at the age of 20, I was speaking at national conventions for scuba diving um, and going on from there. So that to me was where I found my passion in training others and specifically training other instructors. So uh, I very quickly got into that realm of what it meant to do things and how to teach and so forth. So that is where my focus went. Um, free diving has always been a passion of mine. I'm a free dive. I was a free diving judge. I was captain of the U.S. free diving team. And now it's been a hobby, but I want to take that professionally now and also become a that. So I think that we all try different things and you become a more well-rounded instructor or dive professional or dive master when you do explore into different areas. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to go that way forever. I'm a huge believer of do it, but if it's not what, if you're not going to 100% put into mastery of that, then don't do it. Because then if you aren't committed to technical diving, it becomes unsafe. If you're not committed to the proper way to free dive, it becomes unsafe. So when you dabble in anything, even scuba, you know, we see it down here, unfortunately, people go for an entire year of not diving. And then Ding, lobster season come last week of July. And now everybody dusts off their equipment. They haven't been diving. They haven't had refreshers. They go to get their tanks filled and maybe their tanks are expired or their equipment needs fixing or whatnot. It becomes this huge time. And then everybody hits the water to try to get as many lobsters as they can right when the season opens. Unfortunately, we see deaths. Every year there's some type of incident, accident, maybe even fatality that takes place. One year we had six fatalities just from that. That's a staggering number to a sport that has maybe a hundred fatalities in a year in all of the top destinations combined. So Does anyone look into that and to see why what the cause is? Is there like a particular you know core underlying cause which has been common? Yeah. So a lot of it is medical. So if a person is not used to the 
equipment, the breathing, the pressure, all the different things that go along with. Now, all of a sudden, they're jumping in to a sport that they haven't engaged in in a while. So just like we were talking about, about CO2, well, what if somebody isn't, isn't breathing right? What if they're like trying to, quote unquote, remember how to breathe, and now they're taking big breaths or shallow breaths or something like that? That can be an issue. And then that stresses the cardiovascular system. So if somebody has an underlying already existing high blood pressure, and now they become the weekend warrior or the one-year warrior for diving, instead of having that heart attack at the bowling alley, they have it underwater. So that is something that we do see. Medical uh, can be something that is insidious and sneaks up on people. You know, I thought there's one thing listening to you, and um, there's always been something that's always bugged me, and I've never, I, I probably should take it forward and ask the question, is that when we do a refresh in the pool, or, and you get somebody to come on who hasn't dived for years, and they've got a holiday booked or anything like that, and as far as I'm aware, unless things have changed the last time, we never have to say, can you still do your 200 meter swim? Mm. You know, you if they haven't dived for and say they haven't gone in, haven't been in the sea, haven't pulled for several years, you know, we check to make sure that they can kit up and we go through basic skills, all those sorts. Mm-hmm. But the one big fundamental thing we don't have to say, can you still do your 200 meter swim? And yeah. I think, well, why aren't we doing that? Because I think, well, that's quite a big thing. If you if you're a diver, get you know that, and you rely on to help you maybe get back. You've got cramp, whatever, and they yeah. can't. Yeah, you, you're kind of both in a, in a muddle. Yeah, you think well, if you haven't, a lot of people can change within one year, let alone a few. Years. And I think well, that really should be coming into a whole part of the policy, right? Yeah. Why, can you still do your basic 200 meter swim? If you can, great. If you can't, can't sign your bike back on. Yeah. So you bring up a perfectly great and legitimate question, Ian. So think about this. First of all, is that the test itself that's that's incorporated by the scuba training agency is actually not a fitness test. It is a test about aquatic comfort and proficiency. So can a person do this? Now, if it was a fitness test, we might push them harder. We might say do it in a certain amount of time, right? Yeah or do it in a different distance. 200 yards isn't much, and there's no time limit. So because of that, it's really not meant to be any type of fitness evaluation. It's that can the person swim? And then on top of that is a float tread. It's not tread out of the water with your hands out of the water for 10 minutes. It is tread, and if you get tired, you can float. So I've seen people literally do the swim test and they've never gotten their hair wet. I've seen people that are so buoyant that they can just sit and not even move their legs or arms and just they're floating in the pool and the, the wind is blowing them. You know, and the only reason that they're moving their arms at all is to stay in one spot, you know? <laughs> and so when you look at that, is that any determination of, of health and fitness? It's really not. It's about aquatic comfort and your ability to swim in, in this environment that you're about to be in. That's what yeah. that has been for. But now here's the cool news is that according to the latest, the newest medical exam, medical history exam, medical screening exam that has just come out by the UHMS, the Undersea Hyperbaric Medical Society, in conjunction with RSTC, Recreational Scuba Training Council, RSTC, and International RSTC, they have now authorized and adopted this brand new medical screening, screening form. We haven't had a major change to this form in years and years and years. In the form they put in there, can you, and they put in, oh, I forget what it is. 
I believe it's walk at a uh, 15, walk a mile in 15 minutes, something like that. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. I apologize for not knowing that, but the form just came out and it's something like that. It's asking the person if they can do a little bit of a fit thing. Now, more people walk than ever swim in a pool or anything like that. So it would have been almost irrelevant if they had put, can you swim 200 yards in this amount of time or anything like that. So I believe they went to walking as a measurement criteria for someone's overall health. I applaud that. I think this is a great yeah. thing in the right direction because here's the deal. A refresher is a scuba training course. It means the participant must fill out a medical screening questionnaire to participate. It's part of the standard. So that's great. Um, and that will help a little bit with a better fitness determination because they they incorporated more of a fitness uh, interpretation in there, which I love. I think that's great. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, that's handy. That's good to know. Thank you very much for letting sure. us know that. So yeah. uh, that's good. Yeah. Um, so let's go, just talk about you know, some of the other things that you do. You know, you're, you're involved with the podcast you do. Yeah. How do you find time? Because you're really busy. You're, you're involved with everything, with the two podcasts, uh, your ministry. So and the book, you got the book out with 10 um, biggest mistakes for divers. Oh, yeah. book. So, you know, how do you find time for all? You know, we've got one podcast and YouTube channel and we, you know, that's a hell of a job to keep up with all. So how... how how do you manage it? Or have you got a team to help you? No, I my team is my family. They they love me and they support me. And so my kids are home right now. They're in the other room knowing that daddy is recording right now. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I have to send a text. Hi, kids. Daddy's recording. Be quiet. Right? Type of a thing. Um, but they're very supportive of me. And um, really what it's about is that I wake up super early in the morning and I get ahead on things. And that's where I try to do my side projects are on my early morning. And so that's my quiet time, it's my writing time, it's my creative time, it's my editing time. And so then I find time for interviews. They always don't go on my schedule, um, but they might be at a night someday or, or whatnot. And then I'll plug in the editing to a morning seat. So when you think about it, like the app that I've made, the scuba exam app, it's an app to help people get uh, better at scuba exams. So they could study for open water, advanced, dive master, all this content is in there. All the agencies are in there. The deal is it took me months to write that. Once I wrote that, then it became a static thing that just exists. The same with the 10 mistakes divers make. That was just off the top of my head, just information that was just kind of a brain dump. And four days later, that 41 page document was done. You know, I edited it with my friends and everything like that, the, the, no editing stuff. And then we made that. And then that just said, so the big work that I actually do is the Nova Southeastern University Academic Dive Program. That's my full-time job. Love it. Love it. My, my team there is just brilliant. Um, we've got about 19 dive masters and instructors there, uh, and we're doing hundreds of students each semester. So because of that, it's a very busy program. So when I want to do the podcasts um, and my online courses, I have a whole thing called Scuba Guru Academy, which is online courses too. Those are all done in my creative hours. So they're yeah. all those early mornings, sometimes night, but I like to reserve night for my family, relaxing, having a beer, you know, 
Um, so I really try to avoid working at night and I get the majority of it in, in the early. Yeah, sounds a good plan. I'm a bit of an early person. Rather than... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we do with our guests, we have five questions we ask everyone. So we'll go ahead and ask you those. So they're kind of the same questions. We just get different answers from everybody. So uh, what's your favorite dive location or have you got a dive location still on your wish list or bucket list? Uh, oh, I think everything is bucket list, wish list, yeah. Um, I haven't been to the sexiest locations that everybody always talks. And the reason is, is because my first year as a scuba instructor, I started to train other instructors. And because of that, um, when you train other instructors and you, you do that type of thing, it's not like you're flying all over the world to go to exotic locations to mm. train them. You're really doing it back home, keeping it cheap and inexpensive as possible for people that want to go the role of become instructor. And it takes a fair amount of time, so it's usually local. Um, so because of that, I've been pretty bound. Um, Bonaire is a place that I want to go uh, really badly, really bad. Um, next month, I get to go to Socorro. So I get to check oh, that yeah. off of uh, my bucket list on the Socorro Aggressor to do uh, shark cage diving. I cannot wait for that. It's going to be <laughs> epic. Um, so that will be a bucket list check off. But if you had to, if I had to quant just like qualified the best that I've done, it was Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos aboard the Turks and Caicos Aggressor was my best dive vacation. I have a week in Turks and it's wall diving. It's flat seas. My wife tends to get seasick. So um, we never wanted to go to locations that had the more bumpy passages on liveaboards. Um, so that was just ideal for so i would have to say turks and caicos is number one destination that yeah I've um your favorite marine animal and why hmm, that's a good one. um i i i would fear that this is going to come across as cliched but it's not when you see all of the works of art behind me <laughs> they're all dolphins i think i have one shark back there but they're all <laughs> um i i have a just this connection with the dolphin. Um, it is a marine mammal that looks elegant underwater. It's playful. It's peaceful. It's ferocious when it needs to be. Um, everything about a dolphin speaks to, and that to me is my spirit animal, right? For for diving, I I that's the that's the one creature that I bond most. Have a, a feeling, a true emotional feeling. Yeah, yeah nice choice. We like that. Uh, can you give us three people who you choose to dive or free dive or snorkel with um, from history or you know they're about today? Um, could you give us three people who you choose to dive with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, number one would be um it would actually be jesus and the reason is i know this sounds funny but this is just catch the, the thing in the bible there's a passage where when jesus comes back he's walking with a couple of disciples and they don't know it's jesus and they're talking on the road to emmaus and as they're talking as it says in the, in the bible jesus then tells them everything in the bible regarding him from moses to the minor what that means is, is that if you go back and you look at the ancient historical writings and you look at the 
first books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, written by Moses, presumably, as most theologians say. That means that Jesus pointed backwards in history to say, I did all, and this is where I was in this story, in this story, in this story, in this story. So he gave, in my opinion, the best Bible study ever was to be get, given was in a seven-mile stretch of road with these three people walking, right? Jesus and the two disciples. Can you imagine, like, being underwater and having the ability to ask your creator, why is that fish like that? Why is that tail like? Why is that color like? Why is that mouth like that? Why can that fish have that eyesight and that fish doesn't? And then I'd want him to take me like to the bottom of the ocean, right? Because if you were these, you can, right? And then why is that fish here? And what? Imagine what that lesson would be like, because only our minds can come up with what we think. Mm. And what we think based on science is really good. And we've come up with some amazing things. I just can't help but imagine what it would be like if the creator actually explained why. So that gives me goosebumps just thinking of that. So as corny as that might sound as an answer, that'd be my number one person I want to go diving. Number two and three, my grandfather and my mother. They both are not with us anymore. My mother's birthday was uh, July 4th, uh, just a couple days ago. She would have been 81 years old. I took my first open water diver class with her. Um, She couldn't finish the class because she had a round window membrane rupture and then had permanent problems with her ears from that day forward and could not ever dive again. So my mom and my grandfather were the ones that taught me to swim, that put me in the pool every day of my life, and they taught me. And all of that is my foundation for aquatic comfort. It's why I love being underwater. It's why, you know, I have no hesitation to jump in the ocean, jump in the water. I'm not afraid of things underwater or how I feel underwater. It's as as comforting as my bed at night. It's it's that important to me. Mm. And they were the ones that made it happen. So if I could have them with me underwater to say, look what you helped me do, and now let me show this underwater world to you, that would be one of the sweetest experiences ever. It really it was would. Quite brilliant. And what is your favorite piece of dive kit? Uh, <laughs> without fail, my favorite piece of dive gear is a free diving fin. Any particular one? Well, um, Right now, I'm trying the uh, C4. If you know about the free C4 fin, it's a, a, a carbon fin. It's amazing. I've never felt anything like it underwater. Now, I say free diving fin. That particular fin, I would only use free diving. I wouldn't throw it with my scuba stuff because if I'm on a dive boat and area, I don't want these things to split as I'm making my way off the boat ladder and you know all the challenge. But a free diving fin, I think, is one of the coolest technological things that's out there. And if you think about it, what's going on that makes it so great? Well, who in the world needs to have the best air consumption? It's free divers, right? Yeah. So. Where's the logic in putting the biggest piece of plastic or graphite or whatever onto the foot? Why would we put the biggest piece on somebody if we need to conserve the most energy? It's because of how much energy transfer there is in a long blade fin. So whether it's scuba diving or free dive, by these long, graceful, elegant strokes, you get so much 
continuous power and flow that it keeps your breathing down, it keeps your heart rate down. And to me, I think that is an ingenious piece of gear because if I'm scuba diving, I'm barely moving. The other thing is if I'm dive mastering and I'm leading a group, I can be on my back watching the group heading into a current and just taking the fins and literally sculling like that. That's all I'm doing just with my ankle and the fin blade is so big and catches so much water that it's keeping me in position, which is amazing. So if you've done it, Ian, you've done your dive master protocols. Remember when you've got to have a group on the line and one of your protocols is you have to be off the line to supervise. Well, in some of the raging currents that exist, right? That's a almost an impossible thing. Not if you're in long blade fins and you get your body just right, you're arched back, here you are, and now those fins are just doing their thing. You're hydrodynamic, the fins are doing the work, and you're not even breathing. And your students and everybody on the line is going, I can barely hold on the line. How can you be swimming out there and you're not, you know, freaking out and all. I'm gonna look them up. Scuba diving and free diving, I am totally into long blade fins. No matter what brand, there's great, you can do plastic long blade fins with nice foot pockets for your scuba dives. And that way you're not worried about them splitting or cracking. And then move up to a nice carbon fiber fin like the C4 when you're doing your, uh, your, your more deep free dives or a spearfisher person, you're doing that. Oh, I, I love them. I geek out about free diving. So there you go. There's my answer about that. That's good. <laughs> Last question. Um, so the you, you've got a billboard and you can put a message on there, a quote, um, an image, a message, a question, whatever you like, but there's something you want to get out to the millions of people out there. What would, what would you put on that bill and why? Oh my, that's a really cool one. I love that. Um, so, huh. okay. My original answer, like what was going through my head at first was my normal soapbox, right? Which is don't take abbreviated classes. So there's my soapbox item, but I think I've talked too much about that in, in this podcast already. Everybody gets that picture. It would be redundant. So I'm going to not do that. Instead, I would I would have a picture of the 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 movie Jaws, you know, the yeah. the, the the iconic picture of the shark and the lady at the surface and says Jaws, and I would put Jaws is the lie. That's that? what I would do. And the reason being is that I have seen more people say I will never die because of Jaws because I watched Jaws. Yeah. Now it could be that new movie with all the sharks and whatever that one was it just came out 30 meters down or something like that. I think that's what yeah. it is. And apparently yeah. there's some shark stuff in it too. All right. And I've heard people say, Oh, I won't do that. But like jaws, um, be- because there's been so many people in my life that have said, I won't dive because I'm absolutely terrified of shark. Well, what made them terrified? It wasn't the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. It wasn't David Attenborough, Blue Planet. It's not of that stuff. It's movies like yeah. Jaws that have glorified this eating machine. And that's simply not true at all. We are not part of their food chain. We exist underwater just fine. They don't eat surfers. They bite because they think that they might be something. As soon as they know it's not their meal, they don't eat. So we don't have eating going on. Everybody thinks though that this is what's happening. So that would be my billboard. Jaws the lie. Yeah, that's good. I like that. There'll be a lot of people who agree with that as well. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Excellent. That's really good. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Yeah, it's been really great chatting to you. And yeah, I'm sure we'd love to have you back as well because you've got just so much to say. And yeah, Thank so. You. And that's what we do with our guests. You know, we never say that's it. We like to keep in contact and obviously, you know, sort of become a friend of the podcast. And obviously, if there's anything we can do for you, and likewise, both ways, you know, keep in that's contact. That's so nice. Thank you very much. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll be happy to share this with everybody too on all of our social channels. And I'll mention it in my podcast too, that people can go check this out. Um, but yeah, thank you for this. It was a wonderful time and a lot of fun. And I wish you the absolute best in certification. Yeah, it's been so exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's really, yeah, great. So, yeah, you've inspired me again more. <laughs> good, good, good. All right, then. Well, thanks again for the invite. It's really been a treat. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, yeah, thank definitely keep in touch. Yeah, thank you very much. You got it. Okay. Thanks for your time. Stay safe. Thanks. You too. All right, okay. we'll see you. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Monday morning comes around again. There's a concrete jungle is surrounding my head And I want to be free That's why dreaming of the same Right everybody, that was all good. I enjoyed that. Hope you did as well, Gemma. Yeah, yeah, no, it's full of variety, isn't it? Freediving, yeah. diving, yoga. Yeah, church, man of God. Yeah. So, uh, brilliant, you know and um, thoroughly enjoyed that and uh, I look forward to catching up with Tech um, soon really again um, that'd be good to get him back on um, get a catch up yeah and, uh, yeah, and I, I think um, I like people like that you know because you learn different things not just about diving but you actually learn um, about what makes them tick as well and I, I like that you know that's good so the word of the day is hashtag transform. Yeah, so put that above your put that above your fridge or put that above your mirror, whatever you go in. You didn't put it in the loo, who knows? But it doesn't matter as long as you go there every day, hashtag transform. There we go. Uh, and that's something I'll be using uh, on my social media and, and big search. So uh, hashtag transform. There we go. So that's kind of us really done really, i think yeah that's episode 27. <laughs> yeah. yeah who's coming up next who are, we, who are we gonna have on the big scuba podcast next i think we're gonna have mark evans mark evans yes um if you don't know who mark evans is why not he is the editor and editor-in-chief of scuba diver magazine uh, a really great magazine very informative of the world of scuba diving uh anything to do with underwater so he's also the man behind the go diving show up in the midlands in the uk so uh, uh went to us now i think we've been to it twice now, or I, I have and uh brilliant it's uh it's quite a new show and uh it should be coming about in february next year so uh, yeah yeah, fingers crossed, as long as everything stays the same on the whole COVID front and everything. So um, that'll be happening. And uh, it's a really good show. It's where we've got to meet Andy and Miranda, uh, got to speak to Steve, Monty. So they're all, you know, the usual um, celebs and characters all, all get down there. And other podcasters and YouTubers and plus all the uh, 
usual buyers. That's brilliant. It's well worth going to. Uh, so, but anyway, you'll hear more about that on the next episode on the Big Scoop Podcast. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. Uh, I'll speak to you all soon. Yeah. That's